This is Reset. I'm Sasha Ann Simons. One year ago tomorrow, the nation watched in horror as the U.S. Capitol was attacked by its own citizens. Since then, many of us have tried to make sense of the violence, but perhaps no one more than our next guest. Robert Pape is a professor of political science at the University of Chicago and director of the Chicago Project on Security and Threats. He spent the last year studying the January 6th insurrectionists. Who are they? What motivated them? And how much support is out there for more political violence in America? Professor Pape, welcome to Reset. Thanks for having me, Sasha. Let's talk about the work that you've been doing. You compiled data about the 725 people who were arrested for the uh, Capitol attack. And you also surveyed insurrectionist sentiment across the country. So first explain to us how you gathered all your data. Uh, First, it's just not me alone. So um, with large research teams at the University of Chicago. So I'm the director of a center at the University of Chicago, the Chicago Project on Security and Threats. Uh, And that means that there are um, about a half dozen uh, full-time PhDs who work with me. That is not PhD students, but people that that have PhDs. Uh, And also uh, we have uh, between 20 and 25 student researchers with working with me at any point in time. Those are PhD students, master's students, and even some undergraduates. And that allows us to do a tremendous amount of data collection, data analysis, um, and to do it fairly rapidly. Uh, Mostly for the last 15 years, we've been doing this, um, studying political violence overseas. But uh, for the last year, um, we've been really focusing on the Capitol Hill insurrection, both who's been arrested and then the sentiments uh, that sympathize with the insurrectionists around the country. Mm -hmm. Well, your findings show that these insurrectionists are are much more mainstream than many of us thought. This isn't a fringe militia movement. That's exactly right. So when the um, event just happened in the weeks afterwards, uh, you'll see that our media really focused on a handful of militia members uh, or some folks who were wearing funny outfits. Well, now that we've had time to really assess and study the arrests, and more and more people, of course, have been arrested, the court documents paint a completely different picture than what we first we saw. Uh, When we look at the 700 who have been arrested for breaking into the Capitol, what we see is over half are business owners or from white-collar occupations like doctors, lawyers, architects, um, accountants, managers. Uh, This is very different than we're used to seeing from right-wing perpetrators. Uh, where mostly right-wing perpetrators we tend to see is 25% unemployed. Here, only 7% were unemployed at the time they broke into the Capitol. When we look at their uh, membership in militia groups or extremist groups, only 13% of the 700 are members of militia groups like the Oath Keepers or extremist groups like the Proud Boys. This, too, is very different than we used to seeing with right-wing violent offenders that are arrested in the United States, where typically half are members of skinhead gangs or militia groups uh, or extremist groups. What we are seeing in factor after factor um, when we analyze who broke into the Capitol uh, is a mainstream movement, 
this is a pro-Trump movement, um, so we shouldn't be surprised that uh, nearly all of the uh, those who broke into the Capitol are white. Eighty-five um, percent of Trump voters are white. Um, the uh, but what we are seeing here is fundamentally a mainstream movement um, that has joined with elements of the fringe, mm-hmm. but it's the 90% who stormed the Capitol that were not militia members or part of the fringe that really made the storm a storm and overwhelmed Capitol Police. Where do these insurrectionists live? Were there any surprises there? Uh, well, they come from all across the country, uh, 46 states plus the um, plus Washington, D.C. Um, large numbers are coming from some of the bluest states, New York and California. Um, almost none are coming from some of the reddest states, um, that is North Dakota, South Dakota, Nebraska, Wyoming. Uh, they, over 52%, are coming from counties that Joe Biden won in the 2020 election. In fact, the more a county voted for Trump, the less likely was the county to have an insurrectionist who broke into the Capitol. Mm. Uh, the number one thing about the counties um, that have the insurrectionists is that these are the counties losing the most non-Hispanic white population in the country. Um, our statistical analysis shows that this factor uh, is the biggest uh, predictor of having a county having an insurrectionist, aside from simply the population side of a county. This is Reset. I'm Sasha Ann Simons. We're talking to University of Chicago political scientist Robert Pape about his recent research into the January 6th insurrection. Coming up in 10 minutes on the program, we examine Bobby Rush's 30 years in Congress and his earlier work. Rush has announced that he won't seek another term. So stay tuned for that conversation. Uh, Professor, some of the more disturbing data from your survey uh, also shows that a quarter of the country still believes that the 2020 election was stolen and that Donald Trump should be restored to the White House, even if it requires using force. Uh, that's right. So we uh, conducted, once we knew that the uh, who broke into the Capitol were part of the mainstream, we thought it important to survey these insurrectionist sentiments in the general population and did so with um, a nationally representative set of polls. And we've done this multiple times. And what we find is that 21 million adults believe two radical ideas. One, that Joe Biden is an illegitimate president because he stole the 2020 election. And two, that Donald Trump should be restored to the presidency, that use of force is justified to restore Donald Trump to the presidency. Well, that's really um, a large number of the 258 million Americans in the country. That's 8%. Mm -hmm. Uh, Now, only... um, about 2% of Americans are militia group members. So this is much, much greater than we're used to thinking um, about what the the militia movement or the extremist movement in the United States. And we've done these surveys multiple times in the summer and the fall, and that 21 million is not fading away. Um, You might think that with the arrests of these hundreds and hundreds of people, many of whom will serve time for breaking into the Capitol, uh, you have a chilling effect. But that's not the case. What we're seeing is we're moving into a a potential tinderbox of an election season with a large mass of people sympathizing with the sentiments of who broke into the Capitol. Do you have any data on who is influencing these people? Like, Where are they getting their information from? 
Yes, we also survey in our surveys look at their media consumption. Um, and what you see is in the 21 million, uh, 42% report their major news sources, Fox News, Newsmax, One America. Only 10% reported as being right-wing social media like Gab or Telegram. So, again, we're very used to thinking that right-wing extremism is a fringe and thinking it's coming, it lives in the fringe of right-wing social media. Well, that's not the case with the 21 million. The 21 million uh, get their news from mainstream news sources. Some of those mainstream figures on that conservative news are the most popular media figures in the country, and they're embracing sentiments uh, sympathetic with the insurrection. Another disturbing finding is uh, a significant portion of the country shares QAnon beliefs about a satanic cult of pedophiles inside the government. That's that's right. So there's two main beliefs driving the 21 million. The number one belief held by 75 percent of the 21 million is the Great Replacement, the idea that the Democratic Party and liberals are deliberately replacing the U.S. electorate with foreigners and immigrants to uh, overturn the place of whites in America. And then the second, held by 49% of the 21 million, um, is this idea of a satanic cult of uh, pedophiles running the country. And we've just begun to do uh, some focus groups with people from our survey. And what they mean so far in our focus groups by that satanic cult, that QAnon idea, is that our politicians are immoral because they hang out with Jeffrey Epstein and they have been on the Lolita Express. And that what they mean is that those immoral politicians have hung out with pedophiles in order to make their um, line their pockets financially mm-hmm. or to make political gain. So what policy recommendations do you have, uh, Professor, to, to help address these false and extreme beliefs that much of the country is still buying into? The number one issue we have to do is dialogue. The new empirical reality I've just painted for you is really different than we're used to thinking. This is not, this is something we have to come to grips with our political leaders, our community leaders, leaders of faith, our media, the informed public. We have to come to grips with this new empirical reality. The number one thing that we should be doing as we move into the 2022 election season is asking every candidate a question that we ask in our survey, which is that some people agree that the use of force to restore Trump to the presidency is justified. What do you think? Hmm. Your data shows... Probably the most scary part for me, uh, there's still significant support for a violent insurrection that January 6th is not likely to be a one off. Well, with 21 million uh, sharing these insurrectionist sentiments, what that is, Sasha, is like a mass of combustible dry wood in wildfire season that can be touched off by a spark or lightning. We can't predict social science can't predict a spark or lightning. What we can do is measure and assess the size of the combustible material. And that combustible material is large. So that's why I describe us going into a tinderbox of a 2022 election season. And also the 2024 election season is likely to be a tinderbox as well. 
we don't have a crystal ball to tell us for sure uh, what will happen. Uh, that's because we can't predict those lightning strikes and sparks. What we can do, however, is see the mass of the kindling and combustible material. That's what we have to have dialogue about. And again, we should be asking our candidates running for office What do they think about the fact that so many people believe force is justified to restore Trump to the presidency? So with the the midterm elections coming up, how concerned should we be about more far right insurrections? Uh, We have to be we have to take it seriously and we have to be concerned that um, this tinderbox could be set off by a spark. That could happen in Georgia, where we already have a contentious set of elections. We also have in Georgia the recent politicization of the counting of the vote. Uh, So it is more politicized. The counting of the vote in Georgia is more politicized than ever before. Stacey Abrams is running in a very contentious election there. And so this could be, uh, this is a very precarious situation. We have similar uh, such elections in Texas and other uh, key states. And we also have the question of if the two houses, the Senate and the House of Representatives, flip to the Republican Party, uh, what will their first acts be? Will they act the new Republican Congress to decertify the election for uh, Joe Biden? Will they act to recertify the 2020 election for Donald Trump? These are these these are now real questions, and they should be asked directly to a candidate's running for office. That's Robert Pate, professor of political science at the University of Chicago and director of the Chicago Project on Security and Threats. Thank you so much, Professor. Thank you, Sasha. Thanks for listening. I'm Sasha Ann Simons. We've got more for you on the podcast, WBEZ's Reset, wherever you listen.